0: Welcome to Moment of Truth with Amy Chen Mills, but this time with me mailing Obinata guest hosting for this episode on Amy's birthday. This is where we bring you clear thinking on confusing topics in challenging times today's episode features a conversation with a leader of a new independent labor union we're calling it the life-changing magic of unionizing a deep dive with the national president of trader joe's united jamie edwards this conversation is inspired by our november 6th 2023 episode in which we discuss the importance of gen z in labor with two union organizers and a labor attorney if you ever wanted to learn what it's like to organize a brand new union in a workplace this is the show for you if you care about intersectionality and wealth inequality and how unions can help with that, this is also the episode for you. We recorded this interview in late November, but since then, the union status of the store has gone into jeopardy. So I wanted to give you an update. I'm going to read from an Insta- Instagram post by the account Trader Jews United from December 14, 2023. The image reads, Tell Trader Joe's, show us your books. And the S in books is using the dollar sign. I'm reading excerpts from this post. The same week that the decertification campaign was announced, two Hadley employees and leaders of this campaign went on a podcast hosted by Peter List of Culture Consulting, an infamous right-wing anti-union consulting and media company where they reference the help they've been getting in their efforts also from the post. That's why we're asking Trader Joe's to open the books and prove they aren't paying union-busting consultants. If they have nothing to hide, they have nothing to worry about. So that's the end of the excerpts. I want to call something out from the post. Peter List is the founder of Culture Consulting, which is an entity that has engaged in union-busting before on behalf of Whole Foods, Coca-Cola, Petco, Trump Casino Services and the Trump Ruffin Hotel. It makes sense that the union is asking to see the books because if they are indeed paying for the union bus and consulting, this shows that they are the ones behind the decertification efforts and that instead of this being a genuine effort of the workers at the store, that it is an AstroTurf campaign to undo all the hard-won successes secured by the Hadley Massachusetts Trader Joe's union. I wanted to include this update at the top of the hour because it may help you understand what is at stake for the Trader Joe's workers at the various stores which are attempting to organize and give a frame from what National President Jamie Edwards is facing in bargaining with Trader Joe's and in organizing a single store.
1: The power that corporations have right now is due to the fact that their their funds allow them to have like to have control to a certain extent over the politics you know what i mean and even like down to like the workplace level you know what i mean um we need to be organized enough to have some power in our workplace
0: so okay are you from did you grow up in massachusetts
1: um yeah i grew up in springfield mass
0: okay what's what's springfield like for people who don't know i i haven't i don't know anything about massachusetts really
1: oh yeah so Springfield, Massachusetts is the biggest city in the Western Mass. Um, Springfield is, like, in terms of, like, Massachusetts, I think right now it's um, probably, like, the highest poverty rate. If not, it's it's near the top, and that's how it's been throughout my life there. Um, it's um, the place that probably has, like, the highest density of, like, um, black and brown people. So, like, for me, also dealing with, like, um, just growing up and, um very at a very early age kind of understanding that the experience that i have is very different than other people might have grown up on a different side of the city you you want to find a way to like um i don't know you want to when you approach um poverty you're thinking mm-hmm. about how is this and like the most the most basic level for me is like how it is for me working and like um even the last job that i had before that like I've had a lot of experience with um struggle, both just growing up in Springfield and like obviously um even outside of that town, even out where I work in Hadley, which is like like a a pretty nice college town. There's still a lot of that struggle and everything. But yeah, my experience was definitely um my perspectives were informed by like my experience growing up in Springfield and everything.
0: Well, so when you grow up in Springfield, there is. I'm sure there's some sort of narrative about, like, you know, here's the American dream, the white pick fence, et cetera, et cetera. And at what point did you kind of form your own consciousness or your own ideas about, say, economics or fairness, just kind of your own, I guess, philosophy? Were you very pretty, pretty young when you're kind of educating
1: yourself or well i mean yeah and a lot of this is just like the experiences that we have just growing up in the hood and everything and like i try not to like frame it a way it sounds dramatic you know what i mean springfield's not the worst place in the country you know what i mean and obviously united states is not the worst place in the world but like um like the when i was growing up in springfield it's like i grew up in a neighborhood that's like fairly nice now but it's it is like an area where you're you're sleeping through the sounds of like gunshots like on a on a nightly basis, particularly like in the time that I was growing up. There's a lot of like um a lot of gang activity to put it lightly, um, in that area of the time I was growing up in. And um I think like there's not really like a stage where you kind of recognize that um it's yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say there's like a point where you recognize that it's like different for you versus like um what the american dream is like you kind of like know that immediately like this the way that people talk about america and Mm -hmm. like um about what it's like to live here it sort of doesn't really didn't really connect with like what i was seeing in my day-to-day life it just felt like like I this is something foreign to me you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. but
1: you start to notice like you know you're in school and you see kids from the other side of town and um I remember one time um, there was some conversation about um, gangs and this kid was just like, gangs? What do you mean? We're in middle school. And that was like the first moment for me where I was just like, oh, this, like, on that side of town, these people are like, uh, they have no idea what actually goes on out Mm -hmm. here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was like, that was a big thing for me um, as a kid. So that kind of made the light bulb go off. Yeah, that made a light bulb mm-hmm. go off, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like um and once again I don't wanna, you know no sob stories here, but like that's that is like the average experience of like somebody who grows up in like a certain part of like Springfield, a certain part of a lot of cities in the United States. And um you do realize that there's like kind of two different Americas that um people experience and it's it can be like night and day. You know? mm-hmm.
0: So okay, you're growing up in Springfield you have you're educating yourself and now and then you start working at trader joe's in 2013
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you have kind of this body of experience with seeing unfairness and sort of arbitrariness in the management for mm-hmm. the next say it sounds like eight years so I uh, i'm just wondering did 2020 kind of do anything in terms of your awareness or your understanding of, hey, wait, I'm working here and this is how I'm, what I'm seeing, what I'm observing, did that change anything for you?
1: Well, I would say like, um so 2020, there's like a lot of points that I think like um played a big role, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, even though it's like, it's kind of like, it makes me cringe because it's so cliche, you know what I mean? I would say even like, um, the first bernie sanders presidential campaign that um happened that was like a point that like um i already had like a lot of these politics that i kind of held intuitively okay. and that was a point where like i started to actually try to define it you know what in, i mean in 20 like when, 2015
0: 20
1: yeah 2015, okay. mm-hmm. 2015 2016 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's where like i started to really define a lot of those politics and stuff which came with like you know a more defined understanding of labor too that went past um a lot of my um i guess like basic understanding of like radical movements of the past you know what i mean
2: mm-hmm. that
1: sort of was um that was an important point and then um i would say like throughout that time period since then i've been trying to get a better understanding of it. but like i already had um a sort of idea of what i would like to see in a workplace that i work at but um as you get to the point where like COVID comes into the picture then it starts to go from you know, how you would like to see things, um, ideally to like, all right, now it's about like, it's a matter of we have to do this because it's a matter of our safety and like protecting ourselves to to have some say in our workplace.
0: So when you, when, when 20, well, we you're in the middle of 2020, um, mm-hmm. how did you, Communicate with worker Co-workers about like their Needs or your needs how is that Was that a big Moment I mean maybe I'm asking like a really obvious question I to me I would be like Wow you're literally (laughs) risking Life
1: to Mm -hmm. Go to your job It kind of feels like in conversations About the new labor movement that um Talking about like the pandemic It's almost goes without saying you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but like Definitely um, like the first time that management at our store ever even acknowledged um, what was going on was to say in a huddle that um, no one was allowed to wear masks or gloves in the store.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. In 2020. They said no one's
0: allowed to wear masks.
1: Yeah. At the very beginning. um, Wow. It was at the very start where like everyone was like very afraid of it. No one really knew what exactly was going to happen. You know what I mean?
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. first
1: response no masks no gloves are allowed it's going to scare customers that was the point where like we were sort of talking about like actually like um starting a campaign you know there's like a couple of us um who are working the night crew and um we put together a little signal chat you know we gathered whatever resources we could find online um whatever information i could find from any of my friends who are in labor um all of that stuff and um we started, started trying to plan out how we were going to, you know, get that star unionized. And, um, it's, it's really interesting looking back. Cause we were really like kind of starting from square one. And then like, once you know a little bit about this stuff, you kind of take that for granted and you forget what it's like when you're just completely kind of like winging it in like, <laughs> you just, you're just like whatever you can find online, any advice or whatever you can get from other people. It's like, that's, that's all it was at that point. But, um that's what we were doing and you know we we had our small organizing committee we were doing things by the book you know very much like you know focusing on security like none of these conversations can happen in the store we're doing it on signal a good app for like anything like this end-to-end encrypted um you could set it so like notifications don't pop up on your phone like You never know you could just have your phone plugged in in the break room somebody texts you and it pops up on your phone and Mm, someone can see mm -hmm. some of the message something you'd be surprised at like how much you can give away in terms of information for something like that Mm, and we we were thankfully very aware of the level of risk because i think most of the danger comes when people aren't aware of that and they Mm -hmm. don't really understand that like if the wrong person finds out about any of this you will lose your job you know i mean it's not really a matter of if like when you're at that stage where you haven't gone public yet mm-hmm. and you can't necessarily even prove the company knows you're organizing they will fire you you know what i mean that's that's just how that goes so like did, um did you and mm-hmm.
0: did you see that at the store people getting fired because of that
1: well so something that did happen um now in our group there was um our group who was organizing to unionize and then mm-hmm. there's um another co-worker who was organizing with stuff like petitions and everything um, they wanted to do petitions and like of demands and stuff mm-hmm. um which like for me personally um i'm not a fan of doing anything like that without it being like a part of um actually forming a union because um the whole point the reason why we would get a union in the first place is because that builds you like the legal infrastructure to like protect yourselves against mm-hmm. retaliation and mm-hmm, there's going mm-hmm. to be retaliation or some attempt at retaliation mm-hmm. once you start doing stuff like that. So you don't want to be in a situation where you're just kind of we're um, just uh, poking the bear without being able to like defend yourself and your coworkers first. So for us, like the strategy isn't to do anything like that until we have firmly have like our majority established, until we know that we have a majority of support mm-hmm. in the store and we know that we're gonna have an election to have a union and then like once you're at that point and then you can go public with it then you have like a little bit more protection then you can start doing like stuff like that and um it'll be a little bit safer but um pretty much what was happening there was um, somebody was trying to organize to do these things um they were talking about it at work a lot um sometimes the managers in earshot and um and management ended up firing them um they gave them like a series of write-ups within like within days of one another which is extremely uncommon and they got fired and i don't feel like there was anyone at the time who like who didn't know that it was retaliation like it was very wow. obvious
0: are there many different places you if to work like do you feel like people have a lot of oh, yeah, different I was, choices i
1: or? mean i mean i'm from springfield my first time being at my trader Joe's is when i applied there. oh okay <laughs> um yeah, but I will say like at our plaza there's a lot of places to work and um I would say like a lot of them have their own set of issues too, but yeah. Um I would say there are there are some options there, but it's kind of like a lot of the same. A lot of, the same, about, of like, mm-hmm. yeah, the same type of options. Yeah, the same type if we're talking about just like entry level like retail work and stuff, it's a lot of the same. And like the the way that um people talked about Cherry Joe's at the time Trade was the gold standard for what that kind of work was supposed to look like. You know what I mean? Why so like, and why um, was
0: that? Why was that?
1: Like why was that it the gold standard? Time that, oh yeah, I think at some point in time that there's some truth to that. You know, people were compensated very well. There's really good benefits. Like, um by the time I got there there's already I was already in the middle of a wave of changes that were happening and over the ten years I was there, I saw more. Like, um, there's a time workers could work overtime hours, pick them mm-hmm. overtime. By the time I got there, it was like, if you went to 40 hours, you'd be like actually get in trouble if you go over that 39 hours. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you used to be able to get your health insurance at 20 hours a week. And then um, in response to the ACA passing, they pushed it up to 30.
0: Well, I think Trader Joe's, it's it's privately held. So mm-hmm. their financials mm-hmm. are completely opaque, <laughs> It's not like a yeah, it's not like a publicly traded company where you can at least look up their annual report or something. So
1: like how we gauge like um how the company's doing is based off of like if they're still opening up like new locations around the country. Oh um, you know what I mean? That's not having the worst financial times. So that that was one of the, the things that people were looking at. But um in terms of that, yeah, the first time, not not a ton of people. We have like roughly 100 people in store or had about roughly 100 people in store at the mm-hmm. time so we were probably still like within the first 25 percent of the people in the store the first campaign that we had and that was strictly in the night crew too and then um, the second campaign which was because um, like actually to, I guess continue that story the person who had gotten fired um, when they were organizing mm-hmm. they ended up coming in the store and they talked about some things in like uh, a very thinly veiled way and Within an air shot of management mm. and within like um an hour after they left i got pulled in the back and was given a write-up for attendance um, wow
0: but that yeah, had nothing to do with you
1: <laughs> right that's and so, so that's like so yeah and to this day i can't say for certain what they knew or what they heard or if they just mm. thought it was suspicious in some way that i was like having those kinds of conversations with them it's hard to say you know mm. what i mean they're certainly never gonna tell me but like um we definitely all got the impression that they were on to us, so we're like, we're going to have to lay low for a while. Mm. And then, um, unfortunately, a lot of the people in that original organizing committee ended up leaving the company because um, what you tend to find is like when things are bad at a certain level, mm-hmm. people are either going to organize or quit. And um,
0: mm. in the
1: absence of organizing at the time, people were just like, "I can't continue working here," and they they ended up leaving. But um, it's just
0: too much.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really. It's it's a lot like. With every, even with everything that's going on right now, which is a lot, which I'm sure we'll get into, it's it's still like very chill in comparison to what it was like in those early stages of the pandemic. It was
0: mm-hmm. kind of a very
1: intense time.
0: So now we're so, now we're at some point in 2021. It's mm-hmm. it's yeah. you you assess that it's kind of a time to co- sort of cool things down, and then some people leave. What do you what do you do at that
1: point? So, yeah so we get to the point where like some people left and end up it ended up just being that like the the organizing effort sort of fizzled out and there was like a long period of time of you know some of us talking about like you know trying to get started up again but there wasn't really like um the will with the people that were there at the time to be a part of like the actual group that was doing the organizing you know mm-hmm. what i mean um so then um come the beginning of the next year um that was sort of when I was reached out to by Meg, um, who's currently our um, director of communications. And um, she was starting a organizing committee in the mornings. You know what I mean? Her and Tony, um, Tony, who is our former organizing director, um, one of our main organizers, uh, Woody, who's currently our national um, treasurer and like, and a lot of others who are just longtime employees at that store who've been there longer than me. Like, oh. this is a funny thing too. It's like, um, I was the newest hire of the people who are in that organization. Oh committee. really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny. like um it's funny because like you you'll have like anti unioners talking about like, you know, um there's new people who haven't even been here voting on this and like But um I mean, all of the supporters, you know, I mean the people who are a part of this organizing committee, they are they are OGs with this company. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been mm-hmm. here for a very long time. Mm-hmm. If there's anyone who would say that like things have changed, I think it would be a lot of us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so yeah, they started. Uh, they were doing their thing in the mornings, and I was like, all right, this is perfect because like as I was when we were organizing the night crew, it was um, pretty much all of us were in the night crew. The one person who was helping us organize that was a member of the morning crew was on leave at the time. Yeah, I mean? So he okay. wasn't really able to like have that kind of access to everybody to begin with. Um, so yeah, that was sort of, that was sort of the point where things started to, to move a little bit more quickly and pick up. Cause um, we were able to like, to merge both of those efforts. And um the night we still had... and the morning. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: How many shifts and, um... are there?
1: Oh, so <laughs> if we always say night crew and morning crew really mm-hmm. like, we close at 11 p.m. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and we open at um, 8 a.m. So morning crew is just the first half, and night's just the second half. Okay. And then we have people who work like mid shifts in between, but it's not mm-hmm. like there's not like overnights or anything like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, I use the word night very lightly. That's just uh, the language that we use there. And when does yeah. the
0: store close for the to the public?
1: Oh, like, the store closes at nine. Nine. And then, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. But the closers will be there from like 3 p.m to 11.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so now it's picking up and then
1: yeah it was picking how, does up the ma- and how does like, the magic um, happen <laughs> well the magic happened oh i was i was feeling myself when i first got into that that second organizing committee because like um we already done some organizing so like when i first got in i for a lot of people it was just me checking back in with them and saying like oh yeah we're doing this again and they're mm, like hell yeah i'm mm-hmm, down." Mm. so like it just moved so quickly mm. like i feel like within my first week like there was like 13 more people within the first week oh wow um, just off of like the night crewers and um yeah it was like for a couple of weeks it was just like i might be having like two or three calls with people a day mm-hmm. Um, to try to like have those initial one-on-one conversations and see if I can get people on board. Uh, yeah, so that was um, that was sort of like the first stage of that, and um, we I feel like we learned a lot from even that first time. Uh-huh. Um, we took security even more seriously. We were just like very strict with the way that we did things, and we started to try to build a more like systematic approach to how we would like uh, have those conversations with people in the store. I think um a lot of that benefited us and um like, us having like a lot of strong support that didn't budge or anything.
0: So now okay, so now we're at some mm-hmm. point in twenty twenty one and there's oh, yeah. like there's a there's excitement. I mean that um is happening.
1: Actually I should say this mm-hmm. too, like when we mm-hmm. talk about excitement.
0: hmm
1: And also talking about security. So like mm-hmm. um this excitement was very quiet, right? Like, okay. um, I was gonna
0: say, it's really so, hard to be quiet when you're very ex, you know, excited yeah. about something. So yeah, how right. do you do that?
1: So the way that we would do this, because when I talk about security, it's like if somebody who I'm talking to were to go run some management, the only person that would be able to get fired would be me, right? Like the way that we have things set up was like mm. any one person who I'm talking to, they don't know about anyone else who's in the organizing committee, they only know they're one point person. um, None of us, yeah, none of us ever talk about anything at all at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tell them like when we're at work, none of this exists whatsoever. Mm. You know what I mean? And there's going to be a point, you know, once we have our majority and we go public, then we can have our union parties. We can have meetings as a group up until that point. It's all about security and making sure that there's not any way that, um, one person slipping up will cost us this entire thing
0: wow so that's is that something that you kind of figure out um, organically or did you hear about that from someone um, else or a, from some other yeah, it was kind of groups? a combination mm-hmm
1: yeah so like the standard way that people approach this is that you don't have those conversations at work you know what I okay mean? and yeah like so that's like one thing some people will say that like depending on how um much of a time crunch you're in you can i would say don't be in a time crunch You know what don't, mean? That's don't hurry you know what i mean uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. like never rush like the way that you do things need to be based off of like hitting certain benchmarks or, like certain amounts of support and knowing that your support is solid it should never be based off of a timeline if the timeline's taking priority over anything else it's it's always going to be like a risk to security or a risk to like actually having solid support. So that's like the first thing, you know. Well, um,
0: so so I just want to kind of paint a personal picture when you're talking to people, and this people are fearing being fired, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they have anything to do with this, potentially. So mm-hmm. how what makes people say yes?
1: so that that part's kind of interesting too because um for the most part i know that us as organizers we feared being fired Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. a lot of times if you're dealing with someone who doesn't understand how like this stuff normally goes they a lot of times you have to like sort of you have to explain what the stakes are you know what Mm -hmm. i mean when you first start having those conversations and like um when i would open up a conversation with someone and like well, i'm talking about how like we don't have these conversations at work it's like you you have to build rapport with all these people that you're working with and then um once you get to that point you can say like you know there's some mutual trust that you'd be like yo, oh, um i want to talk to you about something related to work but not here at work something mm-hmm. we can't talk about you know what i mean and then mm-hmm. um, when you have like one of those phone calls like it, it sounds <laughs> really intense but i start off with like like, you know, I wanna talk about stuff related to working conditions and I, I do have to start this off with like whatever we're talking about here has to stay between us for right now, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean? this if this gets back to management, I will be fired. They like people wow. need to know that it's not like a possibility, it's a certainty. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that the stakes mm-hmm. are high. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um and then after that we can sort of like move from there. And um we don't go right into like asking people if they wanna be in a union, you okay. know. What I mean? <laughs> Yeah, not right off the
0: bat. Uh
1: huh. No, that's that's a no no. Um it's really a conversation like if there's someone who like um is a newer employee, you might have mm-hmm. to do more work, sort of like like explain to them like how things have been and the trend, like the direction in which things are going, right? Um, mm-hmm. if somebody is brand new, like everything that's happening there, that's just the status quo. They might not have the context of like, this is what it was like ten years ago, this is what it was like five years ago. That there's like been a consistent like chipping away at what the company offers of us. So like mm-hmm. that's something you would have to establish first for somebody who might be a little bit newer.
2: Oh, um, interesting. someone
1: who, yeah, and if it's someone who isn't, you can sort of just like bring it up and be like, yo, like this is how things have been going. Like, how do you feel about this? And like it sort of leads both of those lead you kind of to the same place. And even then, um, first you have to like get to the point where both parties acknowledge that there are problems there that need to be fixed. And then we, after that, we get to the point where we say like, all right, um, in theory, would you be cool with us like all trying to get together to work on solving these problems together? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then if someone is, is on the same page as you at that point, and this is very much like um, a stripped down version of how these conversations work, but mm-hmm. once they're on the same page as you at that point, then you can like introduce the U-word. And, but the U-word? <laughs> oh yeah uh-huh. U-word. It's, it's called the u word yeah. okay oh yeah it's a dangerous word um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah even at that point like we don't really go straight into like would you like to unionize mm-hmm. we start off with like what do you know about unions and mm-hmm. that's like a really important mm-hmm. part because a lot of people don't really know much about unions outside of um what they've heard from their bosses and, right um, right yeah and that gives you an opportunity to, like, address any misinformation that they have heard, you know what I mean? Like, that might be, like, someone, I had one conversation, they're like, I know that um, unions say they do a lot of work, a lot for workers, but um, all they do is take your money in union dues, and then, like, all right, that's an easy point to address. It's like, all right, on average, um, people in unions are paying 2% of what they make in union dues, but they're making 11% more on average. If they're mm-hmm. black or woman, they're making 13% more on average. Like, you can just address it right there, clear it up, and then wow. you move on to the next point, you know? So, like, I would say it's really important that people, like, take the time to learn this stuff mm-hmm. before they have those conversations. Did but, you- yeah, once you have those conversations, you definitely want to make sure you give them room to um, to tell them what they... for them to tell you what they think that they already know about you so you can address that first.
0: Did you ever have... Did you ever approach someone who might sort of appear on the outside to possibly be hostile mm-hmm. to the U-word or the concept of the U-word?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I should say, like, the first part of, like, organizing is, like, kind of mapping out the store, right? And um, mm-hmm. when, when you're mapping out the store it's you're mapping based off a number of things but for like one thing you're doing is mapping out relationships right so if you have an organizing committee and you know like all right these people are like very close friends of these people in the organizing committee those would be the first people that you would talk to because you know that regardless of how those conversations go there's the least risk of them running and telling management you know mm-hmm, what I mean? because mm-hmm. they wouldn't want to see you get fired right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then after that you would like you keep going based off relationships but you also take into account like if if anything that's seen at work would like i guess um tell you like in what direction like their labor politics might lean you Mm -hmm. know if you have like a coworker there who every time they see a strike going on is complaining that like oh these people should just be happy they have a job stuff like that Mm -hmm. they might not be the first person to talk to Mm -hmm. if you see someone who has like bernie stickers all over their car they might be more (laughs) likely to to be pro Uh, uh to those uh conversations, you know what I mean, than Mm -hmm. than that other guy. So, like, um, if you're doing your mapping correctly, you should be able to gauge, like, which conversations Mm. are higher risk. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. always start with the lower risk conversations. So at any given time, if things go south, you already have a stronger majority. So, like, if things go south because you, like, talk to the highest risk people first... Then it's like dead at mm-hmm. the start. If you talk wow. to a high risk person at the very end the day before you're gonna go public, there's literally nothing that could actually go wrong by having that conversation. You've like there's not any risk there anymore. Okay. So like the mapping's really important.
0: Okay, tangent, are you very good mm-hmm. at board games? Like, are you very good at, um, like, games where... I haven't
1: played any board games in a while.
0: Okay. I was like, wow, remind me to never play a board game against you. Because it is all about the strategy. It sounds like you really have to understand, kind of like, what's your numbers strategy?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience, um, this hasn't crossed over into my, my board game skills, but okay. um, <laughs> I, might, I might take another crack at board games uh-huh. and see how I do. You know? Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Or because it's really like you're really doing a lot of counting and you're really mm-hmm. doing so much strategizing. Uh, and and it sounds like the approach with your committee, right, having to kind of layer the risk and so on. It's There's mm-hmm. a lot, like a lot of nuance in planning something it, like that.
1: It's actually funny because when I'm explaining it, it sounds so much more complicated. It sounds like very complex when I'm explaining it. But, okay. <laughs> like, a lot of it. Yeah. Like when I'm explaining it, I'm like, oh, this, yeah, this sounds really like, but like when it's happening, it, a certain amount mm-hmm. of it feels like kind of intuitive. A certain amount mm-hmm. of it you learn, but a lot of it just feels intuitive. You know what I mean? It's just like, what's the least risky way to do it? And then like, you, it sort of just makes sense at the time.
0: Well, but, it's, yeah. Like, yeah, it sounds a lot, well, it's a lot more complicated than doing it like a book club um no one's no one's gonna well i guess yeah like if you're just like hey does everybody want to read you know whatever book Um, i will
1: will say i attempted reading groups multiple times and this has been more successful than any reading group wow Wow.
0: that's amazing i thought it's all about the wine and our book club but um maybe
1: that's that's the problem is i didn't have any any wine
0: maybe you didn't have any wine So it doesn't
1: work the same with a stoner book club, you know, (laughs) right?
0: Right. So now you're in the thick of it, it's very high Mm -hmm. risk, and people are kind of balancing various fears against like their interest in the future at that Hadley store. Um, what's it like when you are actually? seeing the votes come back
1: um when the votes are coming in um well it was it was an interesting day because like um when you get to the point when you're having the election um you at that point you already have some idea of if you're gonna win or not You really at that point you should okay. already know for certain whether okay. or not you're gonna win mm-hmm. you know what i mean like um if you don't have a wide enough majority that you're that you're certain you're gonna win then generally you shouldn't go public yet until you do um, but it is it does feel like such a suspenseful day because there's so much that you can't know for sure until you're there mm-hmm. but I would actually say like um that when we when we knew that we had won the election you know what I mean when we got to that point it was um, it felt very exciting but it almost felt like um, the day we went public, when we first like officially announced that we were going to unionize, mm-hmm. that day I feel like almost felt like um it felt at least like as big of a deal oh, as a day really. we actually won it. And it's it's yeah.
0: Going public. Think, so yeah, what was yeah. that day like?
1: So that day, and this like this comes after like um, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot that goes in between like all these different steps of having these conversations. And then, like, even going back and, like, doing, like, what we call inoculation, which is um, when you pretty much um, have to prep everyone for all the anti union talking points they're going to hear, all the misinformation. And, like, there's there's a lot of time that's spent doing, like, pretty much nothing but, like, bringing people all of this information and like, being, like, these are the type of things that they're going to say. This is why this isn't wrong. You know what I mean? like these are different kinds of union talking points and so like, you're sort of vaccinating people,
0: are, people against the anti-union oh, pro- yeah. propaganda
1: absolutely and it's their, inoculation it's, yeah that's why we call inoculation uh, yeah. and um uh-huh. and that's something i i've said before is just like um actually it might have been um, one of my other organizer friends who had originally told me this um, you always have to do this before going public because it's you know it's inoculation, not treatment. You know what I mean? And like mm. that was like a really important thing because um, once people get scared by the company, mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that you can ever get them back.
0: Wow! Like right?
1: They're, once they're at that point, they might just not return your phone calls. Period. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. then you you just lost them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's so important that these people are thoroughly prepared before you have your election or before you announce your election. You know what I mean? Cause it's easy to have a strong majority when the company hasn't started union busting yet. But when oh. they start pulling out all the stops, that's when you, when you really know if these people are really going to stay supporters. And like that largely depends on how good the inoculation was. Like if, if there's good inoculation, they can hear a talking point they've never heard before and they would already be able to like explain why it's BS. You know what I mean? Oh, like, can you um, give
0: me, could you give me an mm-hmm. example?
1: Yeah, so, all right. So, um, let's say we have like a bunch of anti-union talking points, right? What I would usually explain to people is like, all right, these are the types of talking points that they usually use. Like one of them would be like, um, some of them are just outright lies. Some of them might be an appeal to emotion. Some of them might be third party in the union, Right. So if somebody says, like, um, let's say they say, like, all right, well, if you're in a union, that means that um, you won't be able to talk with your managers anymore. All right. So, like, that's, like, that would be, like, considered, like, third-parting the union. Anytime where they say, like, if you're in a union, this will happen, that will happen, mm-hmm. it's starting off with a presupposition that, like, the union is making some kind of rules that you're not the one who's, like, deciding. Oh, like, okay. The only way that that would be the case would be if, if you decided that um, you want it in your contract that you would not work directly with managers. So like, once you sort of get that part down, it doesn't matter what they say, if it's something that that falls within that category, you can say, no, the reason why this isn't true is because the only way that would happen is if we democratically decide that we want that in our contract. So you don't have to address every single point, you just have to address the type of talking point. but some of the ones that I guess you would have to directly address are the ones that are just outright lies. But what I will say is um, once you debunk enough of the lies, people become like, they'll be a lot more skeptical when they just hear something off the wall. And mm-hmm. they'll be a lot more likely to just reach out to you and check in about it instead of just like buying it and okay, sides. Let, and what that's if, some of mm-hmm. that comes with that.
0: What if somebody, okay, let's say somebody's like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody said... Um, I can't get my own raise. What's up with that?
1: Oh, I can't get a raise. Um, I can't get my own raise.
0: I can't, like, you know, I'm amazing. mm -hmm. I'm, I can't just negotiate, you know,
1: with (laughs) with the
0: store and, like, get my own.
1: Mm -hmm. So for that one, I would say, like, some things, so some things I wouldn't necessarily say are a lie. They're just, like, misleading or start with, like, A certain assumption, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you would have a union that you're a part of that's able to do that for you. The difference is we know that statistically people that are in unions are getting paid 11% more on average than people who aren't. So like all the data tells us that by being organized and having um, people do this as a group that you get better results than an individual trying to convince their boss to give them a raise on their own. So like that in itself can be enough because we know that that in practice, that doing this through um, bargaining actually yields better results than you doing it on your own. So then the question becomes, why would you wanna do this on your own if you know that we get better results by doing it that way? Because like all the data, whether it's Economic Policy Institute, um, Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know what I mean? Like if all the data is showing that um, people who are in unionized workplaces are on average getting paid a lot more to do the exact same job, we sort of already know the answer to that question or like what the question actually should be you know what i mean Well,
0: wow, that's okay so i mean your average american is not just you know strolling through the bureau of labor
1: statistics <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, like, <laughs> or the, like like so wow it's
1: just like like why are you asking me that haven't you haven't you looked up the numbers yet? <laughs> yeah like well
0: oh i my bad i didn't like spend my free time <laughs> hanging out on the at, economic whatever whatever so (laughs) is so is how did you know or how did your organizing committee know that you needed that Mm -hmm. kind of information because that just seems so alien
1: for oh so i mean there's a thing right like a lot of it at the early stages when we're trying to organize and that we're like having the idea to organize it's like what why do we want to organize you know i mean in large part like. and most of the times, there's, like, um, information that we've already come into contact with that makes us things a good idea to organize. And then it becomes, like, a matter of, like, how do we convince other people? How do we, like, sort of educate people on the benefits? And once you actually start trying to look up, like, benefits of um, being in the unionized workplace, it's not hard to find. And um, you'll quickly find that there's a lot of resources of information. And then, like, um, we actually actively, like, made, like, a little um, signal chat where all we did was like anytime we'd find like some like good research we just shared in the chat and then oh, um wow. yeah and it's just like um when we have these one-on-one conversations like it's the job of everyone on this organizing committee to know all of this information like if you want us to to win this election it's not about us rushing through it it's about all of us knowing wait am i allowed to curse on here
0: i don't yeah sure why not
1: no, oh, okay, I'm getting right. a no, no? but oh, we would uh, just bleep uh, uh, it out, wouldn't right. we? Your stuff, knowing your stuff. <laughs> <It's, it's laughs> no, your just, stuff. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's just you have to know your stuff if you want to convince other people. You can't convince somebody of something that you mm-hmm. haven't like fully really educated yourself on yet. It's like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: like you're you're doing your campaign a huge disservice if you can't like if you're willing to risk your job to organize, you should be willing to spend some time to do a little bit of extra reading. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's um, a much smaller sacrifice and it'll actually like yield much better results because people will have questions and um, the anti-union campaign will take advantage of any gaps in knowledge that people have.
0: Wow. So never play trivia pursuit with people on an organizing committee for a union because <laughs> you'll you be so beat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only if it's labor-themed.
0: What's the reaction to going public?
1: It was like it was really it was an intense day so like the day that we went public um because like it was there's so much like there's so much time and there's so many different points where like there'll be different people in the organizing committee who are so like excited that they just they think that they're ready right then and like for me i'm like the person who's like kind of just like All right, guys. We gotta be patient. I know it looks good now, but like we have to be prepared. Like you want to be, you want to be sure that you'll be able to win in a worst case scenario. You don't want to be able to win in the best case scenario. That that's an easy point to get to, Mm -hmm. but you want you need like a strong buffer for like whatever ends up happening. So like there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people like you know really struggling to stay patient with the process. And once you get through all these steps and you like actually like we have a strong majority now we're officially done with this phase like I I'm sure that the vast majority of like times that people try to organize they never get to the point where they even go public you know what I mean so that's a very a very big step you know what, so when, um,
0: what does that what um, could you elaborate I'm not sure what that means
1: oh yeah I mean like um there's gonna be a lot more people who decide yeah I want to unionize than mm-hmm. there are gonna be who actually end up getting a, a majority of support in this store so they can actually like Move forward. have enough support mm-hmm. to get like um to actually get an election and to have um, a majority where they could say like you know we have a majority so you have the option of um of uh, voluntarily recognizing us or going to a vote you know what i mean so that's because mm-hmm. that's something you, that happens once you have your majority and the vast majority of times that people have the impulse to organize I, I'd be shocked if the majority of the times it gets anywhere near close to that. In fact, like I know from experience, that most of the times when people have the impulse to organize, is not necessarily like when um, an actual campaign happens. You know what I mean?
0: So a lot of so every time we see like a brand new union, we it's sort of the result of many, many, many other perhaps other people not. <laughs> being able to to take their uh workplace to a majority like we're we're yeah, seeing the I mean, exception there'd be, there'd, we're kind of seeing yeah. the exception um yeah and like mm-hmm. the,
1: the thing is like since since they haven't gotten to that point it's mm-hmm. like there would no be like there would be like no real empirical way to like to show like what the percentages are you know what i mean like mm-hmm. um so like i can't say for certain but i i know from experience you know what i mean from a lot of people in different places different stores different companies and stuff that a lot of people will have the impulse to organize It's like it's very easy to get to the point where you have one or two people you're talking to and then it sort of just fizzles out you know what i mean it's just not enough critical mass yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and also like honestly one of those those really scary things about it is like even like Depending on the situation You could do everything right And still mm-hmm. not win You know what mm-hmm. I mean That's entirely mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. Like If if we did absolutely everything right It wasn't the combination of like Let's say the store captain that we had For like For years leading up to that If it wasn't for a combination of that With COVID You know what mm-hmm. I mean With specific policies that the company had That made mm-hmm. people angry Then even if we did everything The way we are supposed to It might not have been enough To like To get a victory You know what I mean so, like, that's another part of it, too. But, like, um, yeah, you In- could do everything right and still not necessarily win. And you could, uh, but I, what I will say is, of course, like I said before, if you, you know, before, you should know before you go public whether or not you have enough support to win. So, like, if you're not able to get to that point, then you just, you don't, you don't, like, pursue an election. You know what I mean? Okay. You never want to put everyone's job at risk for, like, nothing. For, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not that's not something
2: you want to
0: do this is moment of truth with amy chen mills I'm your guest host mailing Ominata, interviewing Jamie Edwards, the president of Trader Joe's United. One of the concepts Jamie Edwards was explaining was structure testing. That is when you ask people to conduct an action together. this helps them build confidence in just doing an action together, but also helps you gauge how much support you have in a given workplace. I also asked Jamie to give an example.
1: As a rule, we don't want to do anything that's going to be an unnecessary risk. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do instead is do a red shirt day. This is 100% <laughs> our uniform. You know oh. what I mean? So what are they going to say? So Wait, what do you mean it's color.
0: 100% your uniform?
1: Yeah. Oh, so our uniform we have like Trader Joe's t-shirts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And one of the colors is red. Oh. So we're not doing anything outside of dress code. So oh, we just all oh, wear the same color shirt. Yeah. <gasps> oh, so, yeah. wow. And uh. And that's one of those actions, and um I mean, it was it was funny. It was a very funny day, but like wow. just because of management response. But then also like, um when you do that, you see like, all right, there are some people who may have still been like afraid to participate in this action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you also see like, okay, um all of these people were like, no hesitation, did it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like we we actually know that we really have that support because like if somebody is willing to do an action publicly in Mm -hmm. the company's face then you know for certain that they're willing to do a vote that the company doesn't even see you know what i mean right
0: anonymously
1: yeah exactly so that's that's one of those things and for management that was um (laughs) that was an interesting day for them
0: (laughs) well so did they know what I mean, or rather, when did they know what that meant—the red
1: shirt—or
0: um, is that like immediately obvious? I,
1: I, oh yeah, if if they come in and they see that everyone who's on the organizing committee is wearing the same color shirt, <laughs> they're gonna know what It's about pretty immediately. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then like um, it was that was such a good day too, because like you gotta keep in mind, right? Like um, when you're when you're first coming from that first stage of organizing, everybody is like. We we drilled it into everyone's head that this all has to be secret. So, it takes a lot for everybody to like to go the opposite direction and be like, "All right, now we all have to be loud about this." Mm. You know, what I mean, it's important. Mm-hmm. It's important for every single person in the store to know that we all have each other's back. So, like, they have to be confident that they can win this for them to like be very bold in the actions that they're willing to take. So, like, um, when we saw everybody wearing like the red shirts, mm-hmm. it was like, um it was like, it was, it was like actually like really, it was really cool that day. Um, wow. Like, I felt like I was surprised at how many people actually did it. Cause a lot of people were like, were afraid, you know what I mean? Of being like open with their union support. But next thing you know, we're looking up at the registers. It's just everyone in red, you know what really? I mean? Really? Yeah. And it was, wow. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. Like one of the managers was making jokes about it all day. Um He's no longer a manager there, but he was like probably the only manager who hadn't broken the law throughout the campaign. Wow. And he he found it hilarious that we were all in red because he knew that like, you know, management was really coming down us with the union pins and stuff. And uh yeah, it was it was cool. And it was um it felt really powerful and that was like one of the first moments where everybody's like, yo, like we actually can like we can win this. I mean, for mm. us we do, but like that's when all those other crew members who didn't vote were like, "Yeah, we we got this," you know. And mm-hmm. um, and for management it was the same, but obviously they had the opposite response. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there was. There was a lot of unfair labor practices that were committed just in that day alone. I was going to ask, um, is
0: that when union busting yeah. started? Because then they know.
1: Oh yeah, well the mm-hmm. union busting started before that, I guess, because um, like you know, they pretty much deputized like some anti union crew members to like run the anti union campaign for oh, them. Okay. Um, yeah, so there was like a lot of people in the store who were doing their dirty work. They were like, it was like uh, they didn't have to follow what was written on the log. They could just like at any time leave the store be outside have like full meetings with whoever they wanted they could pull other people off register to have like anti-union meetings it was it was a really wow really wild time yeah and and it was it was intense too because like these people were engaging in like some pretty extreme harassment of pro-union people at the store there were like a number of occasions where they they screamed at us like at the top of their lungs when like our people are coming in shopping, when we're working, like there's been a lot of times where like union supporters have like have been in tears because of like the experience they've had at that store. Oh, because with, um, you, you know, mean the on the job of anti-union people? Yeah, mm. like that specific group the of people. They were allowed to kind of just terrorize people. A lot of times, managers were there. They did nothing to like intervene. Like it was really, really rough. Um, so that. But, yeah
0: oh because okay so you were saying when members would shop there as in members yeah, like of when, the organizing um, when, like, committee would also be customers
1: yeah so like um one on one occasion um two of our people were actually buying some food for our little union cookout and then one of the anti-union people like one of the leaders of that like little group um yelled at them while they're shopping and told them that they're breaking up the family and all sorts of other oh my gosh um oh wow
0: very shame and blame yeah
1: Yeah. and this is like right out on the sales floor you know i mean managers knew about it and everything and and no action was taken so they don't Um, think
0: about how that looks to just onlookers like other customers, they I just think, have no idea how the public receives well, I don't that think kind they of
1: care. thing. They, <laughs> they just don't think, care. I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think they care. Uh-huh. No. Um, I mean, it doesn't. I don't think it really matters that much how the public perceives the anti-union activity because, like you know, they're they're the group that's at the store who's doing everything with like the backing of the company that controls everything in there. You know, what I mean. Um, hmm. Yeah. The majority of the customers aren't going to see everything that's happening in this store, even things that happen right there out in the sales floor. There's a lot of people coming in and out those doors. Mm-hmm. I don't think that um, that side was particularly worried about optics in the same way that we had to be. Because mm-hmm. when you're like, kind of like mm-hmm. actually on the right side of something, mm-hmm. you have to be very concerned about like all of that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, When you're not trying to take like the moral high ground, it's, it's just like it's kind of an afterthought interesting yeah um also it's it's not just that but like also the company is going to let things slide when they do it and um of course if you were to even like respond like slightly aggressive way when we're the victims of harassment we would have definitely been fired on the spot but uh, yeah but um i guess to briefly go back to like the red shirt day thing like um that was like the point where we were able to openly show support and um like there wasn't only um anti union activity coming from those anti union crew members there was a lot of direct stuff from management and one Mm. example of that was um a manager asking someone like hey are you wearing that red shirt because you're a union supporter which like that in itself is actually against the law oh really (laughs) yeah they're not Um. allowed to ask people how they're going to vote in the election okay um but oh. um yeah, yeah and that but the person was just like yeah that is why i'm wearing the red shirt and <laughs> and this guy says well just so you know if the the union wins we're cutting your pay oh <laughs> well, like wow uh, yeah yeah and then another this was actually funny because um this this one kid who's working there he was a new hire he didn't even know we were doing the red shirt day he just happened to wear a red shirt <laughs> and the store captain just went up to him he was just like are you wearing this because you're a union support he's like yeah, I, I didn't know that this was a thing that was happening you know that's awesome and
0: that's funny yeah
1: when I saw him in the yeah when I saw him in the break room he was like um he was like yeah it was um this is what happened and like you know before I was on the fence but I think now I'm actually going to vote for the <laughs> union after that
0: it turned him it turned him into a supporter yeah that's really Mm -hmm. funny yeah it's like well that's not the
1: only time something like that's happened either
0: oh when they kind of see the company response so we're in 2023 now Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know how you haven't been fired yet uh actually yeah how do they just are, are they would they be scared to fire you at this point or do you have any idea how you haven't been fired it's like, what would
1: happen? Um, I think, I don't, I wouldn't say that they would be scared to fire me. I think oh. it all depends on what's going on at the time. So mm. in my experience, when you have long periods of time without doing actions at the store, mm-hmm. they start to get a little more bold. Oh. Um, anytime you have a lot of turnover where a lot of people who are supporters have to leave mm. because like the semester ends or something, you have a lot of new people, the company gets a little more bold. Um... But yeah, like, you know, they fired Steve and then we had a series of actions. We had like we marched up there with a petition, then after that we ended up um Wait, who's Steve? Oh, Steve was a star artist and he was um fired in retaliation oh. for being a union supporter.
0: Oh, I think I saw something about that.
1: Yeah. He got fired oh. because he didn't take home um a jigsaw that was not his jigsaw and was in that store before he started working in the store. Um, it was like a very he
0: left a tool.
1: Well, a tool was left that wasn't his to begin with, but yeah. Um, and it was no one really buys the story because they're like this tool that was supposedly dangerous. There were managers who were seen using that tool recently, you know what I mean? Okay, there was not an issue related to like safety. You know, i mean he was just someone who was a union supporter he was outspoken wow about the way he felt with um the changes that were happening to the artist position you know and um like yeah i a used a like,
0: jigsaw like mm-hmm. in probably elementary in middle or middle school mm-hmm. it's not that it's not, not that it's not right? very dangerous yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: right and um yeah like even when we were do like our red shirt days and our union pin days and stuff like the artist areas where we would keep our extra stuff, where we keep our extra union pins, our extra red shirts. You know what I mean? Like the artists have always been like very strongly pro union. Oh. And, um, you know what I mean? So like when they were like, um, clearing out the artist area, I'm sure they would have found like our union pins there. Cause we'd still left them there. Oh. Um, and I, I don't know, for, like maybe they fired him because, um, they just were mad at the time because of that. Or maybe it was something more like, I, I do think to a certain extent that the plan at that point was to do something bold and engage what our response would be. And I think that if we didn't respond by like having enough support to have mm. like a solid series of actions, mm-hmm. they would know that it can be open season. They'd be probably, if we didn't respond aggressively, my guess is that all the union supporters would have been fired by now.
0: So it's it's interesting because you're kind of talking. What you're talking about is like a dynamic of like how do you deal with a bully, right? Do you do you stay quiet or do you say something? And it sounds like there are consequences for not saying something.
1: I think when it comes to dealing with a bully, you have to show them that you can't be bullied, and that's sort of mm. the situation there. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. you have to flip the dynamic on them. You know. Mm-hmm like they have, like they have to understand like like you have you have authority over us in this place but at the same time when we come together we are the entirety of the workforce here and like we are the ones who have all the power and like when you flip that dynamic on them you see the vibe change very quickly and then when they feel like they can get away with it they'll start trying to do the same things again but that's that's normally the way it goes it goes in cycles um so yeah like after Steve got fired that was there's a long period of like of um calm before that you know I mean a lot of supporters oh. have left you know what I mean and a lot of new people are there mm-hmm. and the company is probably saying like all right I don't know this is probably a good time to like test and see where they are and um mm. I don't think they like the result of that <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know we delivered a petition to them, you know, and after that, we had a walkout where, like, oh, wow. like, roughly 70% of the people who were working that day walked out.
2: Wow. We had
1: people from all throughout the community. It, had, it was, like, hundreds of people were outside of that store. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and we were marching back and forth in front of the store, and, like, um, yeah they had to know that we would res- respond aggressively if they do stuff like that. And it was, we made sure it was in the press. We made sure that everyone knew exactly what they were doing. So like you have to respond very aggressively to stuff like that. They have to know that like, um, that there will be like a very swift backlash to that, both like in terms of organizing and in terms of having the lawyers on it immediately filing charges immediately. Um, cause they are just like, you know as soon as they find an opportunity that they can take advantage of they'll take it so it's really important that they know that you're that you have the support that allows you to act and that you're willing to use it and yeah so we did we did um uh, the petition we did a walkout and then after the walkout there was another action where like supporters called into the store to ask about why they fired steve oh my gosh and, like, that's awesome had, yeah There was people calling. There's so many people calling that um, when Tony got in that day, Mm -hmm. the phones were just left off the hook. Like managers were taking the phones (laughs) off the hook. Yeah, it was like, it was that intense.
0: If you're wondering why Trader Joe's doesn't try to get rid of Jamie Edwards to quash efforts to create a union, keep listening. Jamie tells a story of when they tried to kick Jamie out of the store.
1: When there's a disciplinary um, conversation that's happening and you're in a unionized shop, You can have a wine garden representative and that's a person who um like that's a part of your wine garden rights where that person can be a witness to that conversation Mm -hmm. and that person can um can if you actually have your contract and all that stuff they can actually like help you with like the disciplinary process and everything you would have a right to bargain over disciplinary actions so like the fact that he says that I now know that this is a conversation where I'm in trouble for something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, all right. So um Tony happened to just be starting a shift. So like I'm like, hey Tony, you guys suck? Um I'm gonna need a wine gardener rep. Tony's like, Oh, really? So then um Matt's like, you know, I'm actually gonna have to ask you to grab your belongings and leave the store because what? your behavior is very aggressive and very threatening. And <laughs> what? I'm like, oh, huh? What? what? Wait like where, like, and he's just like, listen, I already have, I have people writing statements. I have witnesses. You made a scene. Like, which scene. I, I think was funny that he said I made a scene because mm. I'm allowed to make a scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anytime we do an action, we make a scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think he sort of like gave it away there that what it was really about was the fact that he was embarrassed that I called him out and there was customers around.
2: Mm. But, um,
1: yeah. So like, when you're kicked out like the assumption mm-hmm. is you're getting fired the next day when you come in like they're mm-hmm. just having you leave now so they can get the paperwork ready so um i'm planning on getting fired but like wow like i knew that i was going to make a post about what had happened and mm-hmm. tony is a strong believer that that's what saved my job oh and tony was just like you should make sure you make that post tonight because they're probably gonna try to fire you tomorrow I'm like yeah, mm-hmm. good call so like i made a post explaining everything that had happened i put in additional context i felt like because like for me honestly it felt a little weird right like because um there's been a lot of retaliation and this is the first time anyone's made it about like about feeling threatened or being scary mm-hmm. and i did feel a little bit weird about that because the first time that happens it's with me and like um you know, there's a guy who has his like thin blue line patch on his backpack and his Punisher logo on his backpack. And
0: a what it logo? Feels
1: it, the Punisher logo, which is used by um it's used by a lot of like pro police groups, but the Punisher logo is like often used with like far right groups who is um is in response to like B L M related stuff. Oh. So, um yeah. So um it definitely felt like um there was some there's some racial undertones there of that situation um so like i made a whole post explaining everything that happened this is like still up on my instagram and um we shared it as a collaborative post bo- post with um the chair Joe's united account the official account mm-hmm. and a lot of people saw it there was like a lot of people were upset in the comments there are people in the comments talking about their experiences with the same captain at other stores it oh. was like you know and it was uh, me telling the story, and the next slide was the was literally the letters that my lawyers had typed <laughs> out and sent to them. You know, what I mean, it was oh. like it was, so. Like it was just that's what the post was, and um, and as soon as that happened, you know, they had done the charges and everything. They sent those emails out to the company, so like immediately when I get back in the next day, like there was already customers who were like, who had seen me in passing. They, they had heard about what had happened like, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on now? Like, I don't know yet. I mean, I guess I'll find out soon, you know? So, um, there was a lot of people who had seen it. I'm sure the company saw it. Um, and I think that might've protected me. Cause I feel like mm. if it would have stayed quiet, I would have went home and not had a job that day. You know wow. what I mean? Um, but what ended up happening instead in some ways felt a little stranger. Um, I get in they're like hey we actually want to talk with you real quick uh you can grab a wine garden wrap and i'm just like all right it's time i'm assuming like all right they're, they're firing me now mm-hmm. this is what i expected was going to happen so tony's on register we got tony off register to come with us and then um they take me outside it's neither of the managers out are there are the one that neither are the store captain who had that actual interaction with me okay. so these people were literally not there for it you know oh, I mean? hmm and um they're reading me this write-up they as soon as I pull the paper I'm like okay they're giving me a write-up so while one of the managers is reading I peek over his shoulder to like to see like to skip ahead and I stop them like whoa like this this didn't happen right like like there's a like I'm looking at the paper it says I lunged towards the store captain with my fist aimed at his head those are the literal words that wow. they use yeah and this is for like a conversation that happened in a busy store, like at the bridge, which is across from all of the registers. You're telling me no one saw that and I right. lunged towards him right. with my foot? Like, it was wild, right? And, like, mind you, there's also um, another one of my coworkers was literally standing behind me when we had the conversation. And I cannot tell you how hard he laughed when I told him, but it said right wow. up. He's like, yo, he thought I was joking. He's like, it doesn't say that. I don't believe you that it says that. I'm like, yo, it says that. It was what like. I was bad, but it was actually funny because when it when it says (laughs) something about lunging in my fist, like you know, like the post Superman does when he's flying with his fist, that's what I like actually imagined. So it's just (laughs) like like this. This just this seems like so absurd that it's just very funny. Um, But yeah, so like that was what was written in my write up, Um, and I made another post like immediately after I got out that night about that, and it was just like. You know, sort of explaining like that situation and like how kind of weird it feels because I've never, I don't think I've ever been in a situation similar to this one. Like, and I'll definitely not relate to this union stuff. It feels really weird to have somebody kind of just like make up a story out of whole cloth. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not a normal thing I've experienced. And I've like people, people lie. You know, I mean, usually people will Mm -hmm. like, um, sort of just go with their interpretation of something that can like go in other directions if like you you like sort of read into it you know i mean like i thought that what was going to happen is he was going to tell the actual story of what had happened and then like say that's something about my tone or my body language was aggressive and i think maybe that's what he was originally going to do maybe the company told him like that's not good enough because you messed up by like sending this person home and maybe that was the reason he had to make up a more extreme story to justify it. Otherwise, mm. he'd be in trouble. You know, I mean, that's just a guess. I can't say for certain, but like, I don't know. For some reason, they had to create an entirely different story. You know, that's and weird. Um, yeah. But so, that, I just, I think yeah.
0: I, I, just found the posts there. Those are that mm-hmm. happened October of twenty twenty. That's like mm-hmm. six, six or yeah. seven weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Mhm. Um,
0: Wait, so what happened like after
1: that? Uh, after that, um we blew that up on social media, it was in the press. Um I'm trying to remember there's there's a couple of interviews that happened after that and uh, we talked about it. But um for the most part with that specific thing that happened, most of what we did was like file charges around it. And um yeah, that's where we are right now with that. I'm not really... Of all the things that are happening, that's what I'm the least worried about. Oh, really? It's actually one of the things I'm the most... Well, because it's like... There's a the thing, right? Like, it didn't happen. You know what I mean? He won't be able to provide witnesses to it happening because there aren't any. And I can provide mm. witnesses to it not happening because there are those. You know what oh, I mean? So, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. And, like, when push comes to shove, he's going to have to actually choose to commit perjury under oath if he wants to say that happened oh wow not yeah and i don't know that he's going to really want to do that though it would be interesting if he did um Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so ultimately like he's in a situation where he's dug himself into like a really really uh bad spot and now he's going to have to deal with that when it comes to a hearing you know Mm, i mean and i mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nothing's for certain but i mean i i would say i feel like i feel certain that i like that i feel certain that this will be cleared up completely and um and it's gonna be on him that that he like literally made up an entire story and then like with other charges that we've had they can quietly like try to settle it or whatever and like um you know We've had charges around the 401k stuff With them like um, Trying to not allow us to get the same Changes to the 401k policy That would have um, been an improvement From the year prior um, They wanted us to sign off on some stuff That would have like They sort of wanted to put a poison pill In the proposal that would have um, Made it possible for Oh, this, There's a lot of accidental alliteration happening here There's a poison <laughs> pill in the proposal That would have made it possible um, For them to take us to make it to, That's not on purpose. Uh, that would make it possible for them to take us off the plan. I know, uh-huh. damn it. <laughs> so they'd be able to take us off the plan altogether there. So like mm. um and we got a merit on that and that's something that we're they're currently settling right now. You know what I mean? That's something where they can just like quietly like, all right, they fix it, you know what I mean, pay people the money they're supposed to get, mm-hmm. whatever. Right. But this is something different. This is something where they're going to have to acknowledge that the store captain just straight up fabricated an entire story That is going to be, that is going to be very entertaining. And I am like, I'm very eager to see how they try to handle that situation.
0: All right, Jamie Edwards, anything else uh, that you'd like to share?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I would just say um, everyone listening to this um, unionize the workplace and uh, prioritize your security but like really um unionizing is extremely important it's like it's much bigger than what you do at your store and at your shop you know what i mean um when you have higher union density in the country it benefits everyone even shops that aren't unionized um because other stores will have to like um raise their wages and benefits to compete with the unionized shops and um I would say, like, um, there's a really good video from Robert Reich that talks about, like, um, commas surrounding unions, where one of the things that he actually talks about is um, the way that um, the the wages raising at the same rate of productivity was a very, like, that was what the trend was for the entirety of the time that we had very high union density. There was a point in time where one in every uh, three workers in America were in a unionized workspace. I believe that's the figure. and when we we're at that point, you saw productivity and wages raising at the same rate. When you start to see a drop off in union membership, that's where you see that productivity keep raising, but the wages stay stagnant. Mm-hmm. Like if you're someone who cares about about um, if you care care about um, income inequality, then you should be focused on organizing workers. If you care about um, about uh, wage gaps, you should be focused on organizing workers. Like these are all like labor related things you know i mean everything from racial inequality to like the patriarchy if those are things that concern you the place to start is the place that where you spend most of your time and the place that um literally controls your entire quality of life and love, whether or not you be able to pay your bills like you can organize your workplace and that's going to have a major benefit on on everything um
0: I did. Okay. I I did want to ask about sort of intersectionality and, Mm -hmm. and unions. Do you see how unions benefit um, intersectional issues?
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like there's a reason why like black people vote pro union more in union elections on average, right? Like when we go back to that other figure about um, people who are in unions on average make, 11 percent more but if you're black or woman you make 13 percent more that's because when you actually have transparency surrounding the wages and when you actually have like a set standard for the wages there's not room for people to give people different wages for these Mm. um weird vague reasons that for some for some odd reason tend to always align with somebody's gender or race Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so that's like the way that you have protection around that is by having um actual union in place and um, yeah I would say like that's a big part of that but yeah um, I think if you want to be able to like protect people from any kind of discrimination in your workplace that having like having a union is the place to start honestly even outside of discrimination if you want to have any protections in your workplace you need to have the infrastructure for like to be able to protect yourself and your boss not to have the final say in the matter and that's um, a very important first step in dealing with any of those issues.
0: Well, thanks so much, Jamie Edwards, right, president you. of Trader mm-hmm. Joe's United. If you would like to learn more about Trader Joe's United, feel free to visit their socials on Instagram at Trader Joe's United, that's one word, and on the web at TraderJoe'sUnited.org. We hope you have enjoyed this corner of workplace rights, which does not often receive coverage in the media and that you have learned something about what people are fighting for and why it's worth getting fired to gain dignity and better working conditions. Please contact the Moment of Truth team at AMI at KSK. KSQD.org with questions or comments about our program. Amy's coaching and education website is at www.amichen.com Moment of Truth gives many thanks to our team, Yanko Nyasu, Sound and Tech Engineer, and our research and production team. Yanko, Mailing Obidanta, Todd Zimmerman, and Vara Krishnan. Todd Zimmerman of Nativeverse Studios created the theme song. Kavi Krizik created our logo. Thanks to our KSQD program manager, Howard Feldstein, and the entire KSQD sqd team on the california central coast where this show originates thank you for tuning into moment of truth and remember if we don't use our democracy we lose our democracy